What's going on, everyone? It's Highlighted, the All Sports Culture Podcast. We're back. It's Sully, it's Kurt, and it's Sam. Surprise, surprise. Today, we're going to be talking about Matt Stafford news that just broke recently after the games on Sunday. Uh, we'll get into that. Obviously, going to talk about the games as well. We got the Packers and the Bucks. Crazy, crazy game. And then the Chiefs and the Bills, which wasn't as crazy, but it was still pretty good. Um, so let's get right into it. Matt Stafford news, obviously. Um, it broke out that, you know, the Lions and Matt Stafford kind of mutually agreed that they would part ways and that the Lions would be, you know, actively listening to offers in the upcoming weeks, which would probably be this week right now. Um, so what do you guys think? Where should he be going? Um, do you think this is the right move for both sides? And what is, what is everyone's thoughts? All right. So I do think it's the right move. Detroit was not going to really get anywhere anytime soon, except that the, coaching staff that Dan Campbell has kind of implemented does look really well. And I think that there could be something in Detroit in maybe a couple of years, but obviously next year we don't have really high expectations for them or even the year after. I don't think they're going to really make this remarkable run. So Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford only has, I what think you just say staff you, <laughs> I don't know what you just said. Matford staff you. Well, it's been a long day. I can't <laughs> talk right now. Uh, all right, it's all right, buddy. Yeah. You're I hope it, I hope all the uh, viewers at home forgives me. Anyway, so Matthew Stafford, I think, only has two years left on his contract. I think it's like $35 million or something. I don't know the specifics of it. Um, and then I think everyone already knew after those two years that there was a good chance he wasn't going to re-sign in Detroit um, just because of the direction the team's heading in. So they kind of agreed they're going to go their own separate ways. And right now with a new head coach, they're going to kind of start this rebuild and hope it goes well. Um, some teams that I do hope that he goes to, obviously one of them being Washington as I'm a Washington fan, you know, makes a lot of sense. We need a, we need a quarterback. That's kind of the one thing that's really holding us, like, like holding us back. Um, and obviously his contract is not too much. And if all goes well, after the two years is up, we would resign him. But I think the best fit right now would be Indianapolis, Indianapolis. I really think is one quarterback away from being an AFC contender or even a Super Bowl contender. I think that team's very good defensively. I know we've talked about it. There are all of our, I hope, easy picks to win the AFC South next year. Um, and the Colts are going to be very good for years to come. They have the money to do so, so it kind of makes the most sense. So those teams were kind of on the top of my radar. Um, the 49ers would also be a good team that would want to, you know, I think could get them. And then the last one I'll mention is the Patriots. I still think the Patriots can be pretty competitive next year. They had a lot of opt-outs at the beginning of the year. Cam Newton, I think that Stafford's a way bigger upgrade than Cam Newton. And I think that if you put him on New England, there's a good chance with him and Belichick that they're a playoff team. So all four of those teams that I mentioned would be good fits. Uh, so that's kind of how I'm feeling towards it. Yeah, so Matt Stafford, he played like a top 10 quarterback this year for sure. And you can make the argument that he was like top five, three in the month of December. That's how good he played down the stretch this season. And like Kurt said, the teams that he listed are the ones that I would also say, obviously uh, Indianapolis is the ideal fit for him because they already have so much in place for him to succeed with. I mean, that offensive line is fantastic. Even though the Colts did just have a, this is such a bad like starting point for their offseason because they've lost their franchise left tackle and their starting quarterback to retirement in a span of a week. Like that's, that's brutal. And 
How they're going to replace them is going to be very interesting. If I were the Colts, hell, I would trade my one. And I think, okay, for Stafford's value, you have to at least trade a one and another day two pick. I think that's at least a starting point for him. You could get up to two first, potentially, depending on where you pick in the draft. Um, But I'd also, they have so much money. Spend it all on Trent Williams, dude. That's all I'm just saying. I mean, that would be all in move, but I don't know why I'm talking about the Colts so much, but yeah, but like, like Kurt said, Washington also one, you should really be in on that. I know your guy, Martin Mayhew drafted him. He drafted him. And basically any team that is a fringe or low seed playoff team that needs an upgraded quarterback needs to be in on this because Stafford is that talented of a player and he's under contract for three more years. So, and he's very affordable to trade for right now. So I think what Kurt said, easy, easy to do. And yeah, Sully, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with all those options. I mean, those are the, you know, front runners right now for a reason. Colts, obviously we've been, we've been stressing this for a while that if you put a, you know, borderline top 10 quarterback, which Matt Stafford is right now, um, you put them on the Colts. They have a shot at the Super Bowl if they stay healthy, in my opinion. Um, Washington, obviously, on the uprise. The defense is very, very good. The offense definitely could use a little bit more in terms of weapons, but they got Terry, they got Gibson, and uh, you know, converted QB Logan Thomas, who catches 10 passes a game. So they, they're not too bad. I think that Stafford would be good with them. And then, obviously, the 49ers he would be great with. I think that's probably not going to happen, in my opinion. And the Patriots, like Kurt said, again um, – for some reason, I feel like I don't see that happening at all. I don't know why. I don't like Bill Belichick is, I don't know. I, I think he, like, do you guys see him trading a lot for like a QB like Matt Stafford? For some reason, Not I can't really. get, I really can't get a read on Belichick on what he would do. Like most of my, most of me thinks that he wouldn't do that, but uh, I'm I mean, not we've positive. Just, we've just never seen Belichick make an <sighs> aggressive move before because obviously he's been settled with Brady and yeah. Sam's giving me a look. Did I say something wrong? Did you say Belichick never makes aggressive moves to win? I mean, from a, I mean, you see multiple, I mean, you see a lot of times. He's traded multiple first round picks over his years. I mean, I suppose, I guess just in recent years, we've seen Belichick not, I guess, I don't know. Hasn't and really. And what do like a second for Muhammad Sanu? Well, that that obviously didn't work out. I mean, they traded oh, well, Brandon, didn't work, yeah. Brandon Cooks, the Randy Moss trade. Um, what else can I think? Yeah, of? Cooks. I, I I'm trying to think back. But yeah, but they, it's it's Patriots definitely all different when you're talking about a QB. Yeah, but I feel like which may make him more inclined. Why I think the Patriots are going to be in on this a lot more than you're going to you're expecting is because Belichick is at the tail end of his career, obviously, and. I don't see Belichick. Belichick is a guy who wants to lose at the end of his career. So getting that quarterback would allow him to still continue to win if he wants to. And I think Matt Stafford, you add him to the Pats, which is an upgrade over Cam Newton. Now, obviously, they're going to have to work on those pass catchers because they've got the worst pass catching group in the entire NFL. They need to work on that, but they have money to spend this offseason. They could sign an Allen Robinson or whatever it may be. And they could get back into the swing of things pretty easily. They could sign Kenny. Kenny yeah, and Stafford. Kenny, Kenny would go with Stafford. <laughs> I could definitely see that happening. 
Um, another team that we actually haven't brought up that I think is definitely going to be on this. The Giants? Is, <laughs> you wish. Uh, Denver. I just don't see it happening. I know Denver's the logical choice. I, I, I don't see an instance where they don't give Locke another chance. That's my opinion. You don't think? I'm not saying I mean, it's the. Matt I'm not Stafford. saying. I'm not saying it's the right move. I just believe that they think that Locke in his second year, obviously what we saw from his first year, his rookie year, was really good. His second year didn't live up to the, quite the standards as people put him to. But because of the injuries that that team suffered, and I think that. Vic Vangio kind of wants to give him another shot and see what they got. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but like Vic Fangio giving him another shot, that's basically asking yourself to get fired. That's what I'm I, asking. I, look, I'm not saying it's a wrong decision or the right decision. I just I, I just don't see it happening. That's my whole thing. Yeah, well, there were rumors that he was going to get fired this offseason, but those kind of ended like before yeah. the Black Monday. And um I mean, Stafford is the quintessential John Elway quarterback dream, wet dream for him. I mean, he loves guys like him. And uh, there's so many pieces in place on that offense already for Stafford to really produce in. And um, I don't know. I think that would be a great move for Detroit or for Denver to make if they wanted to, because I don't think they're going to be that great next year. But if they got Stafford, they're definitely a playoff team, fringe playoff team. Um, But I want to ask you guys this. Um, how do you see Detroit going about their offseason then? Do you think they're going to attack quarterback in the draft this year? Do you think they're going to wait a bit like the Bills did with Josh Allen and you know, kind of just build up assets and then take their quarterback when the time is right? Because I know, Kurt, you always talk about how you want to set up something before the quarterback gets there. Um, how do you think Detroit's going to approach this? I think kind of just what you said, I don't think they're going to attack the quarterback sense in a way where it's like, we need to get one now and we need to, you know, we're in a position where like we need to, I think they're more focused on getting the other assets first, because you look at the Detroit team offensively, at least this past season, wasn't terrible, especially from like the wide receiver spot. You did have Kenny Galladay, you had Marvin Jones, but the problem is those two are going to hit free agency and they're probably not going to go back to Detroit and then defensively, it's a shit show. I mean, there's so many problems on that defensive side of the ball. So I do think that if you're Detroit, you have to understand that while quarterback is a situation now, you have to address. There are loads of other spaces in other places you have to address as well. And we've seen from the past however many years uh, Stafford's been in Detroit. He's obviously been a fringe top 10 quarterback, but because of what's been surrounded by him, they never have had that level of success. And I think that the organization realizes that that was a whole failure. And in order to be successful, it's not just what you put at the quarterback spot, but it's what you put around him. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be really hard to predict about what whether they're going to try to build up the surrounding pieces or try to get the QB. I think in the scenario in which they would go QB would be if they had their guy and he was falling a little bit and either fell to them or they could trade up and not give up too much value, obviously, they'd probably go and get the QB. But other than that... Um, they obviously probably would get the weapons because like what Kurt said, I mean, they got Hawkinson, but other than that, I mean, Jones and Galladay are both free agents. Um, They got Swift. They have Swift as the running back, but uh, is Swift and Hawkinson, they're going to need someone else for a rookie. Um, So I think that they'd probably, you know, build up their other assets. But like I said, if their guy starts falling and they have someone they want, they might go get them. Who knows? Who knows, man? uh, yeah, who knows? Something we do know, though. Um, the Packers are not going to the Super Bowl. That we do know. Um, you know, Sam, 
Sam, obviously the Packers fan, me, uh, people call me a closet Packers fan. I am an open Aaron Rodgers fan. Love Aaron Rodgers. I wanted him to win another Super Bowl, 100%, but probably not as much as Sam did. So we'll let Sam take it away. We'll let him give his little rant why they lost and what he's thinking about right now. So, Sam, the floor is yours. Uh, well, I'll start off with this. I can't say I'm not surprised. Um, I've been through multiple NFC championship losses in my life. I've seen five meltdowns and one victory. Uh, I barely remember the 2007 meltdown for Brett Favre against the Giants. I remember us with Aaron Rodgers sucking against the Bears, but our defense coming in clutch and then Jay Cutler getting hurt and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, that goes to the Super Bowl. Then there's 2014, which I don't want to even bring up. And then there's uh, us getting blown out by Atlanta and San Francisco. And four of the last seven years we have lost in the NFC championship game and we have lost a lot of heartbreaking fashion games. And reason being is our, all right, well, this time around, I'll I'll get to this time around. So starting off the, the, our high end skill position players are, are just great players. Didn't play well enough. They just weren't that great. The only one I'd say that played well enough was Aaron Rodgers, but he was not at his best. And the reason being is because everyone else around him was not at his best. He was missing some pretty easy throws, but I don't blame him because he was getting pressured all fucking day. I mean, our tackles cannot block the Tampa Bay edges. The interior was actually holding up pretty well, but he just had nothing on his, on the outside. And The receivers couldn't get open from Tampa's corners. And I'm seeing a lot of people saying that Green Bay was the better team. And I still stand by that. But Tampa had the more talented roster. They are way deeper than us at pretty much a lot of the positions. And we just have better, like, number one options at the position, if you get what I'm saying. So... Like, for example, Aaron Rodgers over Tom Brady. I mean, Aaron Rodgers outplayed Tom Brady in this game. And I'm seeing people say Tom Brady outplayed him. And that's just false. Tom Brady was shit in three-fourths of this game, I'd say. (coughs) Sorry. And second half, he was brutal. He threw three picks. And two of them, I'd say, were his fault. One of them, I, w- I don't really put that much blame on him because there was a free rusher, and he just kind of punt- arm-punted it. Um, but he threw one into double coverage against one of the best corners in the NFL that allowed a zero passer rating in the postseason and one of the best safeties in the NFL where he got easily picked off, one where he airmailed it to Mike Evans. And then before the half, so the Packers are down 10-14, and they have an – opportunity to go score before half and then get the ball out of half. Okay. Uh, You guys know how this goes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers throws an interception, but Lazard's getting held hard on that interception. They don't call it. Okay. Whatever. You're letting us play the game. I get it. And then obviously the shitty defensive call to get that before half touchdown Total joke. Kevin, I don't know why we're playing one-on-one man coverage in that situation with no safety help over the top. 
it makes zero makes zero sense. I'm sorry, I'm eating up all this time. Eat you guys it up. are kind of giving me the. You guys are. This is like stress like the, eating, like when chicks like break is. up with their boyfriends it and they is. just start eating ice cream. This is you right yeah, now. It really is. It really is. But before that, we dropped in another interception from Tom Brady, and it was one that my my me as a fucking kindergartner could have caught. It was literally just floating down. It wasn't even like a like a fucking I don't know line drive. It was right in the air and it like just was like a whoop. It was just falling down like a U. It was like a whoop. Drop that. And then right after that, they scored the tutty for some reason. And the one situation we don't play prevent. Okay, whatever. It's 2110. Whatever. That's fine. Coming out of the half, fumbled right away. Ah shit. They score right away. Get get another seven. 2810. And then I will say this. The defense, although it had an atrocious, atrocious first half, stepped up big in the second half. They were excellent in the second half. They only allowed three points, not counting that first, that, that fumble, and then they score on the touchdown right after that because I don't blame them for getting scored on there right then because that's ridiculous for what happened there. They only allowed three points in the second half. The offense could not capitalize on the turnovers that came from the defense. And that's just what happened in this game. That was the difference that happened. And we get two interceptions. We go three and out right after both of them. We don't go to the run game at all. Aaron Rodgers is throwing really tight window throws. He's getting sacked on these plays because no one can protect him. It's just a joke. And then I'll, we'll get to the fourth down thing. I know Kurt has a very strong opinion about that. So, um, and then at the end, the defensive pass interference look it's the right call i i it's clearly holding but with how they officiated the game up until that point where they literally called nothing this game had like no flags at all other than really technical ones like false starts and i think there was one head-to-head call on Devontae adams and then there was some 12 men on the field calls that was about it then they call that when there's been multitudes of holding throughout the game that they didn't call. But then in that moment, in that crunch time, literally 20 seconds after the play happened, flag. And it just completely decided the game. So honestly, I'm not blaming the refs at all. The Packers lost this game. They were the better team, but they beat themselves. And I knew that was going to happen. I held out hope, but I've seen it countless times already. So I was ready but I'm still a wreck right now. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, on that, take it away guys on that, uh, that game ending call, the holding, um, Werfs was holding as well. Max Kellerman tweeted it out. Oh, yeah, they, were, was holding. they were holding all day. They were yeah. both whole lines were holding pretty bad this game. Um, and they just weren't calling anything. Yeah, and no I know calls. obviously people say like there's holding every single play on the line, and yes, there is minor holding, but I mean, if you look at it, Brady stood in that pocket for a long time on that last play. And he was standing in the pocket very long for the entire game because we only yeah. had five pressures. Yes, yeah, and, so. and our and Aaron Rodgers. How many times do you guys think Aaron Rodgers got pressured in this game? I want you guys to guess. Uh, how many times did he pass? I think 48. All right. He got pressured. Uh, 
21. Kurt, what's your guess? 18. 32. Uh, that's completely wrong. <laughs> that is like that's what happened. That's what happened against the Niners. It's like a 60 or 70. Per- no, that's worse than the Niners game. Well, that's yeah, like a, but... and this isn't a close game. Really? And they came back into it. I very much am happy that they came back into it. I love that they actually showed some heart and that the Bucks actually allowed them to come back into the game. They gave them every opportunity to come back and win this game, but they just couldn't capitalize. And that was the difference. And the talent level of the Bucks and how deep they are was also a difference in this game. All right. Well, let's talk about the fourth down. What do you think? You're talking to me or Sam? Either or. All right. I'll say this about the fourth down. I completely disagree or yeah, I completely disagree with the call by the floor. I understand his mindset and I understand the decision and it's, I was questioning it and I still stand by it was a wrong decision, but at least I understand where he's coming from. It sounds like you don't completely disagree then. Well, I completely disagree, but like, at least I know where he's coming from. And okay. So what, it wasn't like the worst call ever. Cause the worst call ever would be something where you're like, I don't even know how you could yeah. think like of Sean, that. Like Sean McDermott kicking two field goals in a row. Right. They're down multiple scores. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, you know, here's my thing, you know, obviously to make it 31, 26, if your defense can hold. And like Sam mentioned, the defense in the second half was particularly playing better. So there was a good chance that they would stop. Them. But my thing is, the whole narrative the whole year has been how good Aaron Rodgers has been. And obviously the defense has not been nearly as good as that offense or nearly as good as Aaron Rodgers has been. So when you're, I first want to say on the third down, I I don't, I don't know if Rodgers scores there on the run, but he at least picks up a couple yards. It's, I do think in that instance, you, you know, I I understand the throw to Devante, but you know, if he picks up a couple yards, I think maybe LaFleur changes his mind and he goes for it instead of, you know, because obviously the difference between from the fourth yard line and the eight yard line is a big difference. But regardless, it doesn't matter. So fourth down, my thing is the whole year, Rodgers has basically been the key part of your team. He's been the MVP. Would you rather the MVP of the league and the guy who's been doing it for so long determine your fate or would you rather this defense that has underperformed in many events this whole year determine your fate? That's my whole thing. They went with the defense. And I am someone who always is, I usually support the defense in this instance. I understand if you hold them, you get the ball right back. And you're obviously not having to face a fourth down. You reset the play, you reset the downs. And obviously it's self-explanatory. But I just think that, like I said, you're down by eight. You're at the eight yard line. I, at the time was like, this is probably the best chance that green Bay is going to get to score. And they ultimately didn't take that chance. And it ultimately cost them the game. Well, I kind of disagree. Um, I didn't hate the call. I, I didn't at all. I'm pretty indifferent on it. Now, obviously I agree with you with your sentiment that you trust Aaron Rodgers over the defense in that instance. I very much agree with that, but I will say this. Our red zone offense in this game was not working at all. The entire year we were elite in the red zone, but in this game, we just could not get shit done. 
and Rodgers was missing wide open guys. I remember one where Lazard is crossing wide open and he just doesn't hit him at all. He decides to go to Tay in the end zone where he, he walks out of bounds, obviously. And, and there's multiple opportunities where there's just these errors that they make in the red zone that cost them the game. The Devontae Adams miscommunication where he goes in, where he tries catching inside, not outside. The one where Alan Lazard is crossing and he throws the ball inside and Lazard's not even looking. Things like that is what screwed them in this game. Now, the field goal, look, I'm, I, I would have given it to Aaron in that instance. I would have. But no matter what, your defense is coming on the field and they have to stop Tom Brady, no matter what. And with what the clock was at, I think it was a little over two minutes. You essentially got a free timeout with the two minute warning. So you would have had at least a minute and a half with, with another timeout and Aaron Rodgers, and you'd only have to score six points. And I feel like that's not a terrible idea. And if it worked, he would have looked like a genius and it did work, but then the pass interference got called. And I'd argue that that ball was uncatchable, but they called that really late and it just kind of screwed them. And ultimately I, I do think they should have gone for it though, because if you, if you do not score the fourth down, let's say they don't score at all. They're still, the bucks are going to be pinned within the 10 yard line. It's going to put more pressure on them to actually go the length of the field to end the game. And that their play calls would be different. And that just didn't happen. Um, and if they didn't get two, they still would have to go on defense. If they were tied the game, they still have to go on defense. So no matter what, you're going back to the defense. So he trusted more in them winning the game in regulation than in overtime. And it's whatever. It's whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Just, just quickly on my thoughts on the play, um, I'm definitely agree with you guys, and that I'd rather have the, you know, the fate of the game and Rodgers, the MVP, the guy that's played the best out of any player in the NFL this year. Um, but at the same time, I don't totally disagree with the call um, to score from the, you know, the nine yard line is not easy. It's debatably one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. Um, so the kick is warranted a little bit. I will say though, a lot of people aren't talking about this play uh, Brown dropping a two point conversion, literally uh, right in his hands that potentially changes the entire game. Um, so obviously what ifs, what if that, what if this, yes, the game's over, whatever. But I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about that play and that play was very pivotal. I knew when he dropped that um, I was like that, I knew that was going to come back and bite. It was just I, like one of those things. It was like a movie where you knew that was going to come back later. Yeah. He dropped the two point conversion and Devonte Adams dropped that touchdown. Four plus two is six. They lost by five. Yep, That's so, math. We yeah. did the math. The Packers actually won that game. So we're going to run it back and... in, in, our, in our hearts, in our hearts. They won. The yeah. Game. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Rogers. You're still my best quarterback of all time. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the Bucks because obviously we've been talking about the Packers and for good, good reasoning, Sam. I'm sort of very sorry about the loss again. Um, but the Bucks, I, I want to highlight how fantastic Tom Brady is. I understand he didn't play all that well in this game, but I just don't think people understand how hard it is 
in his first year to join a new conference, a whole new team to at 43 years old, not just make it far in the playoffs, but make a Super Bowl, still competing, still competing like a top 10 quarterback. And I, I'm just simply amazed by it. If you didn't think he was the GOAT before, I don't know what to tell you because he's so simply and obviously is. Um, this Tampa team, ever since that Saints embarrassment in the regular season, have been unbelievable. I think they literally haven't lost a game ever since that game. Um, they've rolled through the playoffs. Uh, they've obviously won every game. Uh, they've won every road game, which is very impressive to say the least. And now they get a shot at Kansas City. If they can finish this off, I, I that'll just be absurd. And what Tom Brady would do, which is that's unbelievable. I don't think they'll do that. And we'll get into that later. But I just want to highlight that Tampa Bay, very good. Um, you know, we've been highlighting how bad or not bad, but the key mistakes that Green Bay made on both sides of the ball. But we have to give a lot of respect to Tampa Bay and what they were able to accomplish because as for me, I really didn't see Tampa winning this game. I was very confident in Green Bay winning this game. I've been high on them for basically the whole year, and I, they were my Super Bowl favorites. But, I mean, massive respect to Tampa Bay, and it'll be a very good Super Bowl to see them against Kansas City. Kurt, you got to stop having faith in Wisconsin teams. I've warned I, you dude, too many I, times. I was, I honestly I've warned was, you. I was thinking about that the other day. I was about to send a text in the chat. I was like, Remind me never again to bet on Sam's favorite teams. I did it with the Bucks. I did it with the Packers. I would hope I would not do it with the Brewers, but who knows? Maybe I I'll swear every year we have a heartbreak every yeah. year. At least one of our teams has a, one of my teams has a heartbreak. And I mean, there was that stretch where it went Brewers lose game seven in the NLCS Bucks lose. They blow the two Oh lead to the Raptors Packers yeah. NFC championship. Packers NFC championship. It hurts. Uh, I do want to say this about the Bucks, though. Uh, I know I've kind of tirated on the Packers the entire time and for obvious reasons, but it kind of relates back to green Bay in some ways, but uh, I said how the difference in this game, one of the main differences was the difference in depth between the two rosters and the talent level of each team. And the Bucks roster is so much better than green Bay's just from a talent standpoint um, but you can make the argument that from a team standpoint, Green Bay was better like coached and schemed wise. Um, but obviously that doesn't matter now. But what I was saying is um, some people were like, the Bucks are the ones that are going all in. And my thing with that is their all in move was getting Tom Brady. The reason why Tom Brady went to this team in the first place was because that roster was so damn good. And he saw that and he's like, there's so much untapped potential here. If they just get an upgraded quarterback and going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady is night and day. And it's shown already in year one. And that's just all I want to say, because some people are kind of saying that the bucks have made so many massive moves to, you know, get Brady, to the super bowl. They hadn't done much. Like no. let's be honest. The ta- like in all honesty, the like you already mentioned, the talent on the roster was there last year. You saw yeah. show like you saw signs of that. The literally the only thing that was holding them back was a quarterback that doesn't, you know, allow extreme amount of turnovers. 
I mean, yeah. 30 turnovers to compare to, I don't even know how many turnovers Tom Brady had, but it's obviously a significant difference. So yeah, the only moves that I would consider like all in, I guess you could say, um, aside from Brady, um, I'm not really counting the draft because the draft is like an all kind of different thing. I know they drafted for me. I mean, Worfs was huge. Winfield was huge for them this year. Those are obviously notable, but from a free agent standpoint, I mean, they brought back JPP they franchised Shag, Shaq Barrett, but they signed Antonio Brown. Who's like the receiver four, receiver three, receiver four. He didn't even play in this game. He might not even play in the Super Bowl. They signed a Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, and Gronk, who's essentially just a blocking tight end. Now. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't really consider that, like, all in. I mean, those are, like, nice vets to have, but, like... Speaking of, speaking of Gronk and just blocking tight end, watching the game, and Gronk's catching tight end screens that are going for 15 yards at that moment. I, I was okay, like, all right, the we, Packers we are not, we I don't know if the going to win this game. <laughs> Cause if Gronk is running for 15 yards on a tight end screen in 2021, then someone's doing something wrong. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Um, but as for the Bucks, definitely I'll go quick. Um, very impressive win. I mean, when we talked about, you just said Winfield Winfield has been great this year. He didn't even play in this game. Uh, Whitehead, their other safety left the game halfway through, I think in like the third quarter, probably. Um, so that was impressive. The guy that was replacing Winfield though, he had a pick on Rogers Edwards. I believe his name is, uh, he had a pick last week too. He had a pick this week. He's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, for the bucks, I mean, uh, Mike Evans and Tom Brady have kind of been in a weird spot this year because, you know, Tom Brady, you know, doesn't really have the long ball anymore, although it definitely has been better in the second half of the year. And him and Evans in this game were pretty good together. Although I will say Evans dropped a couple passes that he definitely should have caught. Um, the Bucks probably could have done even better than they did on offense. Evans dropped some passes, like I said. But uh, other than that, yeah, I, I think the game really just relies it, – it, it comes down to, um, you know – that second half, letting them score that touchdown to Scotty Miller was so, so bad right before the half. It comes down to that, and obviously the call on fourth down, but that could have went either way. So um, it was a really good game in the end, kind of back and forth. Uh, there was a lot of defense. There was a lot of offense. So it was a good game. I think that the Packers probably should have won it, but um, they weren't able to. And I do want to add these you know, couple stats. We posted them on Instagram today. It's going to break Sam's heart. Um, probably the most absurd stat in terms of like sports that I've heard in a very long time. Uh, it's a little bit nitpicky, but there's two Aaron Rodgers, Owen 42 when trailing by more than one point entering the fourth quarter against a winning team. So he's essentially never had a comeback in the fourth quarter against a winning team in his career. And he's one and eight in the postseason when he's trailing at halftime. So, and listen, I'm the guy who we posted recently, our top 10 talented. I was campaigning for Rogers at number one. I think 90% of people agreed in the chat when it comes to talented. I'll do this quickly. 
I'm talking strictly eyes. When I'm watching the game, the, what is the quarterback doing? That's the talent to me. It doesn't come down to wins and losses. That's why I said Tom Brady does not deserve to be top six on this list um, that we made. It's strictly eyes. What plays are they making? And, uh, you know, obviously they're mental and all of that stuff. And Aaron Rodgers makes plays that no one else can make in the NFL in its history. Maybe Pat Mahomes is, you know, testing him right now with that ability. But, when it comes down to winning, I'm not a big guy where it's like some some people are winners and some aren't. I don't real I believe in it a little bit, um, but not like as much as some other people would say. Some people that don't really know football would just be like, Tom Brady, he's just gonna win every time. It's Tom Brady, he's a winner, which I I kind of understand, I guess. I mean, he really doesn't lose that much. But at the same time, when it comes to Rodgers and Tom, I think Rodgers is so much better than Brady right now. And it, I mean, Brady played decent in that game besides the interceptions. But when it comes to it, Rodgers really hasn't won a lot in his career. So, like I said, I've, I kind of vote for him to be most talented of all time. I really want to put him high on my list in terms of greatest QBs to play because I think they are obviously correlated but he definitely does not have the resume. He has a lot of bad losses um, and they're always not on him. Obviously those stats are only for Rogers, but obviously there's tons of things that go into it. Um, like all the penalties they got and the turnovers that they had in this game, but it's something to think about. Maybe Rogers, you know, shouldn't be on as high of a pedestal as I put him on. Although I definitely still think he's up there with all of the great quarterbacks that have played, but can I, make can Sam I cry? Yes, can I, can can I hit you with something, though? Yeah, you hit me right in the face, please. Aaron Rodgers is the most efficient QB in the playoffs in modern history. So take that as you will. He has been statistically and analytically the best playoff quarterback in the modern era since 2000. He's got an offensive EPA per game of plus 8.6. And you want to see what his defense's EPA per game is? Not good. On average? I'll, I'll listen to it. Minus seven. Tom Brady, like for reference, Tom Brady's is zero for defense. Russell Wilson's is plus 1.5. And I'll give you the next, the second place for, um, efficient quarterback play is Tom Brady with plus 6.7. So he's two whole points behind Aaron Rodgers. and drew Brees is behind Tom Brady at plus 6.6 and drew Brees's defense. We know drew Brees has been wasted a lot because of his defenses, similar to Aaron Rodgers. He's got a minus five for defense. So I'm just saying his losses major majority of the time are on his defenses. And we know Aaron Rodgers has had some of the shittiest defenses ever, but I will say he is not without fault. Uh, there are some games that he just, he helped them lose the 2014 NFC championship game. He helped them lose that game. This game. I think he had some sort of role in them losing, but I don't think he was the main reason, but let me just say, let me just say this, just just like as an ending note for this game. If I told you that the Packers were down five at the start of the fourth quarter, they were down five points. The Bucks threw two interceptions and only scored three points for the rest of the game. How many times out of a hundred would you say the Packers win that game? A hundred. Well, I would say they win every time. <laughs> 
they wouldn't though. And uh, it didn't I would say that. I would say that. <laughs> I mean, it, did, I, it really, didn't happen. Obviously, I'd at least say like ninety. It didn't happen. Yeah. And oh, another, I know. another another crazy thing is there's only been two teams in NFL postseason history that have caught three interceptions, or I think, or two play. I don't know, three interceptions in a conference championship game that I've lost. It's the Packers in 2020 and the Packers in 2014. <laughs> awesome. <sighs> Go Paco. But, but don't you think that's a stat that kind of degrades Rogers a little bit? Well, exactly. I, I would, that's why I said 2014, he okay. definitely had a reason for losing that game. And yeah. 20, I said this game ended in 2014, he was, a, he was, I still, I still fully stand by that. Aaron Rodgers completely outplayed Tom Brady in this game. I, I'd stand oh, yeah. by that. I stand by that. Uh, Tom Brady folded in the second half, but Aaron Rodgers also kind of folded when the turnovers came his way. They did rally back, and I appreciate that, but the defense got them in a hole at the start of the game. They came back from that hole, but they couldn't close it out when they got the chances. The Bucs gave them every chance to come back in that game, and they didn't because Tampa's roster is so damn good, and – it's just I see why Brady wanted to go there, like honestly, and I guess that kind of transitions. Um, well, I do. I do want to say I, we already talked about this play, but I cannot believe that Rodgers did not run that on third down. I know he wouldn't have scored if you look at it from a certain angle. It looked completely wide open, and that's why everyone's initial reaction was like, "How did he not run that? It was so easy." You look at it from a different angle, he would have been stopped, but it would have been he would have got to the fourth, the three, four yard line. At yeah. the very least. He, and yeah. I feel like I obviously what he's thinking in that moment is insane. I'm gonna try to like dissect his brain a little bit, which is ridiculously I who knows what he was thinking. But the way I would be thinking about it is like obviously he tried to get a very tight window for Devontae Adams. And if you look at the picture, he did have half a step on his guy. Um, there was another guy that was a little bit out of the picture that Rogers probably didn't see. And they kind of collapsed on Devante. So it was pretty much like the window was not existent, but I don't know. He sees a little bit of a lane. I'm like, am I going to try to needle this throw? I mean, maybe because Rogers is just so talented. He thought he could do it, but I'd rather put the game in my own hands at that point. And Rogers is very mobile. He's very mobile. He's obviously pretty, he's getting up there, but he still is very mobile. And I feel like he'd rather put the game in his hands than trying to get into that tight window there. And I don't know. He's got to know that it's third down and the situation in the game and you getting to that four yard line. They're going for that. If they get to the four, there's no fucking question about it. There's no question. Oh, so he, yeah, I don't know. He he missed Rogers missed some open guys in this game. I I I watched back some of it. Um on that uh that red zone trip where Devontae dropped the touchdown uh, earlier in the game, like the one where he went inside and Aaron went out. Yeah. Um on the third down, Lazard was wide open crossing, he completely didn't see him. There was a third down on the one of the turnovers that they got completely missed Lazard open in the middle of the field. He was forcing some really weird tight window throws. There were some shots to MVS where he had his guy beat that he wasn't looking at. There was the free play where Devonte had like the whole field to himself that he didn't even look at him for. There were some things that Rogers missed in this game that, that hurt them, but that, that happens in every game, but he's not, a, he's not free of blame. That, that's for sure. But I, there's a lot of blame to go around. And that kind of transitions into the next topic of this part. Um, 
a lot of people are looking at Tom Brady and are like ring chasing. He's going to a way talented, more roster than new England was. And now people based on Aaron Rodgers, uh, post game press conference comments where he said his future is uncertain, um, that he's going to request a trade or retire some shit. Um, my, my, I have very strong. There's no chance. I will I'll, leave this podcast yeah, Kurt, if Aaron Rodgers is not a Green Bay Packer next year. Yeah, Kurt. Aaron, unloved, if you're unloved, listening, unloved. please request a trade immediately. I need to get rid of Kurt. <laughs> yeah, you guys are begging that he leaves the Packers <laughs> next year. Uh, there's yeah. literally no chance. It's just the media trying to stir up shit. I, I'm telling you, literally, like, there's no chance. Just wanted to tell you guys that. Yeah, if I'm gonna say this, um, if you've been watching. Uh, or if you're listening to his press conferences or you've been watching the Pat McAfee show every week, which is a bomb. Aaron Rodgers is always on that. It's great. Yep. Um, He said that the entire year. He's been saying that thing the entire year because he doesn't know what the future holds. I mean, last week he said his future was a beautiful mystery. Uh, Yeah, I know. Wise words, Aaron. Wise words. Why does he say that, though? Part of this reason, part of this stir is because he acts like an he acts like a weirdo. Like, why are you saying you don't know what's going (laughs) to happen? He's like, he's like, I'm going to get back to it. I don't know. Just he likes to stir shit up. I don't know. He knows what he's doing. He knows it. He's taking a shot. And I I also agree that he might be taking a slight shot. Um, But. I mean, ever since the Jordan Love pick, obviously. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, maybe he's putting yeah. some pressure on them yeah, to maybe do I, something I for once. He, yeah, I agree that he should do that. Um, but he'll be on this team next year. I would be very, very, very shocked if he's not on this team next year um, and if he requests a trade. But I, it's kind of hard to do financially. His cap hit is massive. Yeah, it's and, the Packers uh, or the Giants at this point. Like, it's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if Aaron Rodgers was on the Giants, I'd Sully I would pass away. Yeah, Immediately upon receiving that notification, I would Thanos snap and I would be gone into midair and I would just, I'd be happy, honestly. Yeah. There's not uh, much in life you need to see. Yeah, That's, there's nothing yeah. else I need. Yeah. So, yeah, if you think this podcast is going to go over teams for where Aaron Rodgers should go, the answer is Green Bay Packers, and we're just going to leave it at that. Maybe yeah. the New York Giants, too. <laughs> yeah. Small, or, wa- or Washington. Small chance. Know. Small you know, chance. We, we, yeah. have to ke- we have to keep him in this podcast. Yeah. Bubble. That's exactly. what we got to do. Go with All that. right. I-, I talked way too much in this section. You guys take the wheel for Chiefs Bills, and I'll give like two sentences at the end. All right. I want to say this about the Chiefs and Bills. I'll keep it really short. Um, I've said this time in a time out. Mahomes is going to be the greatest to ever do it. I mean, this guy on turf toe and a concussion went out there. And what was the stat line? 330 yards and three touchdowns. An absurd performance by him. The Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, even being down 9 nothing, obviously, at some time, you know, it was a little worrisome for them. But you got to remember, Kansas City, it's like they're used to being down in the playoffs. We saw it with Tennessee. We saw it with Houston. We saw it with San Francisco. I mean, it's exactly where they want to be. They were down 9 nothing. came back like it was absolutely nothing. That offense is just absolutely disgusting. I think, I mean, I think they're going to beat Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. We'll get into that as we talk more about it in the future episodes. But this Kansas City team, I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that uh, Patrick Mahomes has been, what is it? 
I think I saw what was the stat line. He's been to more Super Bowls already than Aaron Rodgers and like Dan Marino and these all-time greats. And he's only 25 years old. What he's doing at such a young age is just beyond unbelievable. And it's absurd to think that he's not going to be the best or one of the best to ever play this game. Like you said, Sully, I mean, my eyes already see that at 25 years old, he's a top three most talented quarterback I've ever seen. And if you put him at one or two, I literally would understand your reasoning. This guy is unbelievable. As for the Bills, though, um, the Bills didn't play terrible, but they didn't play great. Uh, it definitely wasn't a good performance, but some of the decision-making from Sean McDermott and the coaching staff was just beyond crazy. And we've seen the same narrative for two years now or three years now. Um, you can't beat Kansas City by scoring field goals. I mean, we all were saying and watching the game when they were electing to kick the field goals, everyone was saying you're basically just announcing you're not going to win this game because you know that number 15 in the Kansas City offense is going to go down there and they're going to produce touchdowns and they're going to get a lot of points. What they get 38 points in this game. I mean, it's, it's beyond unbelievable, and everyone kind of knew when McDermott was going down that route that they weren't going to win this game. And look, not the, you know, it's just Kansas City. This honestly, if, this honestly should be Kansas City's third straight Super Bowl appearance if it wasn't for the offside call in 2018 against the New England Patriots. Um, and I, you can't tell me that this Kansas City team for years to come, won't be in contention for the Super Bowl as well. We're witnessing a dynasty go down right now. We're witnessing one of the best quarterbacks of all time play. And I'm beyond happy to see this occur because it's a lot of fun to watch. And can you, I mean, if Mahomes wins another Super Bowl and another Super Bowl MVP, I mean, that's already a better resume than a lot of these all-time greats. He's already 25. What does that mean for him on the all-time list? Where are we putting him? Because it, it's, it's. I mean, no, Kurt. People just they need to see multiple seasons of uh, getting forty touchdowns and then botching it in the playoffs for you to be considered an all-time great. Apparently, yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, this game, um, the Bills obviously were up nine nothing. Uh, I was obviously not. I was rooting for the Chiefs. I love Mahomes. He's one of my favorite players. Basically, because similar to what why Rodgers is one of my favorite players, I think they're unbelievably talented, and I like those players. So um, that's why I was rooting for the Chiefs. And obviously, I was not scared at all that they would lose this game. Um, all, all my couple of my friends who don't know a ton about football, but you know they watch the playoffs, and they're like, "Oh my god, the Bills are up nine nothing!" Like I'm like, "Did you guys watch the playoffs last year when the Texans were up twenty four to nothing and the Chiefs erased it in like the snap of a finger?" Yeah. And let me tell you that I trust Deshaun Watson with a lead much more than I trust Josh Allen, and that transitions to me in this game. Josh Allen. I'm not going to say he didn't look like he belonged there, but he didn't play great. I would say he took a lot of like 
he had a lot of dumb plays and we saw that, you know, in the playoffs last year with Allen. Um, I think he's, you know, I don't want to say like he didn't belong there, but he might not have been, I don't want to say, I don't know. He's been unbelievable this year. I don't want to say he wasn't ready for that moment, but a lot of the plays he made in that game in particular, a couple of plays where he didn't throw it away. He would try to, you know, uh, make something out of nothing. And he would take, you know, a 16 yard loss instead of throwing the ball away and, you know, just getting back at it again with a better, you know, down and distance, put himself in a hole plenty of times. Um, but he didn't play horrible. It's obviously going to be a great quarterback in the future. I would love to have him on my team. Um, but there's so. that. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think like he's, you know, uh, you know, a fluke or anything like that. Josh Allen's still a great QB, but he did look a little uh, like he shouldn't, he wasn't ready for that moment yet or something like that. Um, but as for the chiefs, I do want to say something about Patrick Mahomes, everyone, you know, talking about the talented list and whatnot, all my friends and they were, they were, I, we post the ASC list and they send it in my group chat and they're like, this is the worst list I've ever seen. You're going to put Patrick Mahomes at number two. He's only played three years and he has the best offense ever. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got, um, you know, all the players that are just Clyde Edwards hilarious. He's got Travis Kelsey. He's got Andy Reid, who's an offensive mastermind. Everything is built around Mahomes. Let me tell you, that's what it is. There's nothing. You can't take that away. You can't use it against him, in my opinion, because that's the offense he's in. He can't choose where he plays. And at the same time, if you watch Patrick Mahomes play, you can put him on a lot of other teams and he would be the best quarterback in the league. I'm not saying you put him on the jets and he would still produce as if he's the best. He still would make plays where you're like, okay, that guy's the best quarterback in the league. Like that was insane. Statistically, he, he wouldn't even be close to what he's doing right now. He would still be up there with the best in my opinion. Um, but he wouldn't be pushing, you know, well, he only got 40 touchdowns this year, but he wouldn't be insane stat wise. Um, but yeah, just, just watch him. It's just, it's not even close. If you use your eyes, you can tell he's ridiculous. And I'm not going to use the Chiefs offense against him, even though they are amazing and it's definitely catered to his strengths. Um, but yeah, uh, as for the game, I think that the Chiefs, we I predicted this. I said the Chiefs. I said Chiefs Seahawks in the preseason. Um, obviously, Seahawks couldn't get it done. Uh, but the Chiefs are still my winner. ASC, we said, which we haven't um, said on this podcast yet. For all sports culture preseason um, predictions, we said Bucks Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's pretty good. Props to us. Who won? That's pretty and good. That was the Chiefs. Chiefs? Yeah, we picked the Chiefs. Which will be so correct. I, yeah, that definitely will be correct. <laughs> um, and and I think Kurt said that this is kind of like the passing of the torch. If you know Mahomes is going to win this game, and then Tom Brady is obviously the goat, and he's won his Super Bowls, and this is kind of him like. I will most likely be his last Super Bowl appearance. Um, who knows? Well, he'll probably he'll pull something out of the hat next year. But this is like passing of the torch. The goat going on to the new, um, the goat of our generation is Patrick Mahomes. So it's like a passing of the torch. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, I'll just keep it short. Um, the Bills, you had a great season. And Josh Allen was fantastic this year. The development you saw from him was massive. You're probably going to lose Leslie Frazier to the Texans. That's great news for you. Yeah. Um, and you're keeping Brian Dabble. So like that is, that's like a quintessential off season for them. They could, you know, but um, otherwise, yeah, you just didn't pull it out. McDermott's decision-making was a little questionable in this game as well. 
And, you know, I only had the bills in this game because I picked them in the YouTube video. I just wanted continuity. So that's the only reason why I put, that's why I put the bills in my ASD picks, but I actually, I actually thought the chiefs were going this game now. Um, but, and that exactly happened. I didn't think it'd be this much of a blowout, but it was, um, but otherwise what I'll say about the chiefs is the chiefs margin for error is so fucking huge. They can, you saw it last year. They went down in both of their, all three of their playoff games last year, they went down big and came back and won all of them. And this year they lost Patrick Mahomes against the Browns last week. They still won that game, even though they kind of were a little flat. And then this game, they were down a bit early, but they still just mopped the floor with the Buffalo Bills. And that's just a testament to how talented that team is overall from both the defensive side and obviously the offensive side. I mean, that's utterly insane. Um, but I mean, with how the Bucks are playing and how they were struggling against that Green Bay defense, I don't know. Like the Chiefs margin for error is so, so huge. I don't know. Tampa's going to have to play a fantastic game for them to beat the Chiefs, if you ask me. Um, I mean, Tyreek had about 1,500 receiving yards in the first half of the game that they played this year. Yeah, Yeah, so we'll see how it goes this time Uh, when they play. uh, But Sully, I do want to ask you this. Okay, ask me. Explain yourself. Okay. LaFleur over Reed. (laughs) <laughs> i even thought that was a terrible take and you were saying this last week and well i kind of defended it last week as well i defended it a little bit last week i basically said um you know i don't know if 100 percent of me thinks that that was true at the time uh, i kind of just said that because i think lafleur is severely underrated and you did agree with me that he was underrated um in terms of how they people grade him as a top coach um obviously everyone looks at that decision the fourth down decision in that Packers Bucks game and they just say LaFleur is the worst coach ever Dave Portnoy made a emergency press conference as he always does that LaFleur needs to be fired immediately um, <laughs> LaFleur was pretty good that game in my opinion um you know they they had a good game plan and obviously it didn't work out in the end and that bad decision at the end of the game just masks everything that the Packers did in that game, even though they played pretty solid. Um, so listen, I kind of think that Aunt LaFleur is underrated and I think Andy Reid's a little overrated. Um, I know I just talked about the chiefs offense that they have, and you can't really use that against Patrick Mahomes, but the reason why I kind of use it against Reid is because, you know, it's different when you're a player because you still have to, Mahomes still has to like make all those decisions on the field. Obviously Reid's making all decisions too, but he's not like, he's not playing. It's different if you're playing or if you're coaching, in my opinion, Um, I think it's easier to be a head coach than it is to be an NFL starting quarterback. And, I saw Andy Reid be great with the Eagles and then he fell off. They had to fire him. Um, He was great with the Eagles. I will say he had his run and he's been great with the chiefs ever since he's been there. But let's not forget that before Mahomes, the, he was known as the guy that couldn't win the big game. 
So I, you know, that's part of the reason why I picked LaFleur over Reed for that post. Although I will say, who looks like the guy that can't win the big game right now? It looks like it looks like LaFleur. So wait till Jordan um, Love comes in and that flip yep, that script yep. will be flip, baby. Yep, exactly. The nah, Patrick Mahomes comps are true. They're yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of the why I said it. Like I, in in the end, uh, obviously I take it back right now. Um, LaFleur. It's probably he's not the best coach in the NFL, but at the time I said it, I still didn't 100% believe it. It was just the fact that he was so underrated in my mind. And Andy Reid is a little overrated because he has Patrick Mahomes, but Andy Reid is still ridiculous, as you can see from that game, and as you'll probably see from the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Um, so I want to throw out the stat that. about Andy Reid to just showcase how good he is. And so you're saying that he's overrated because he has Mahomes. But there's only been one coach to have led his team to host three straight conference title games. He did it with the Eagles, and he's now done it with the Chiefs. So he's the only coach to have done it, and he's done it twice. So obviously, Andy Reid, we oh, have the narrative yeah. that you know he can't win that big game. That was the whole thing in Philadelphia when he went to Super Bowl 45 against the New England Patriots, he couldn't win that game. And then the years before that, he couldn't get there. And then, you know, we saw the first year with Kansas City where they didn't win again against New England. But ever since last year, that narrative has been switched and he's just an unbelievable head coach. Yeah, and like I said, he had his run with the Eagles. He was very good. I'll admit that as a Giants fan. Um, but, but don't forget, got- when they uh, hired Chip Kelly, he was going to revolutionize the game. Yeah, he did for about six games. Yeah, well, it, it of course, of bit, course, man. they played Washington the first week of the year, or the uh, of the first game he had, and then they pull us I out. I think I remember that actually. Of course, you did because Michael Vick, you know, threw that long yeah, pass. Yeah, Also, Michael Vick, top yeah, ten, v- most talented quarterback. Michael Vick, top ten, talent all time. Michael Hardman agrees. Um, shout out Michael Hardman, but. I think that's it. Everyone have any, uh, something they want to say at the end. Anyone want to shout out anyone? Um, I want to shout out sponsors. Uh, maybe, um, Dasani. <laughs> we are not sponsored by Dasani. We hate Dasani. That's going to be it for the Dasani? podcast. Uh, we hate Dasani. It doesn't Dasani the ones that put salt in their water. Dasani is easily the best water, water. I'd say. Yeah, no, 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 no. Dasani puts salt in their water, dude. Do they, they put actually? salt in their water. So you drink it more. Yeah really that's absurd i didn't know that oh yeah yeah well, we're taking them down class action lawsuit you know like all right this is gonna sound so yeah, dumb, i'll go over but, like you'll see water bottles and like just depending on the brand you'll like favor one over the other yeah i'm i mean if i see dasani i'm drinking that all day long you're crazy my mom hates poland spring she like she has like a heart <laughs> attack when she sees it <laughs> like I, she was she was like matt go get uh you know go get water for the house and I go get, I go to the supermarket. I get a bunch of water bottles. I bring them home. I get a package of like 30, whatever. Poland spring. Oh, it was like world war three just happened in my house. It was like, you gotta someone go back just to the died. Sully, go are you, no, so I did so have to taking, go back. I went back. So you're That's taking funny. like Meyer brand water over 
Dasani, like one that's like around every. No, 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 no. I don't hate it that much, but the idea that they do put salt in it, I feel like they're just backstabbing all of their customers. So I come on. I didn't know that. So it works. It's a though. thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It does work. It hits nice. So it does. Yeah. No, because you drink it, you're like, wow, that was really good. And then like 20 seconds later, you're like, I am parched right now. Yeah. <laughs> I need some more Dasani. <laughs> That's absurd. Genius. Massive respect. It is, is, it is maybe, smart, honestly. Maybe it we could get a sponsor with them. You know? We might we just, I just trash the them. But... Formula, though. Why would yeah. they want to work with us? Exactly. That's true. Yeah, but... we just we just revealed their secret. But that's going to be it for the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back Thursday with a, another episode, probably be reviewing the Super Bowl more in depth. That was supposed to be the next seven episodes, most likely. We should, so, we should, we should answer the rest of those questions. We will answer the questions. We'll also probably put up another slide for more followers to send in more questions. So, uh, you know, we like those chill vibes podcasts. We're trying to bring you more of those. But anyway, that's going to be it for Highlight, the All Sports Culture Podcast. Until next time, we're out. Goodbye.